Hello, everybody. This is Roman Gennaro of Empire Sports Talk, and I'm here today with a very special guest, Minnesota Twins minor league prospect and right-handed pitcher, Austin Schulfer, has thankfully granted us an interview today. Thanks, Austin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be on. It's been uh, it's been a long time in the process of getting me on to do to do a little talking on the podcast, but I'm glad I'm here. Absolutely. No, you made you, you, you know, you hit me up the other day. You said, man, I don't, I don't check my messages during the season and I get it. So it was like, it was one of those things that as soon as the season ended, we got you. So we're just happy to have you. Absolutely. So, so just a little backstory for our, for our listeners and our viewers, you and I met a while back when you were here in Jacksonville, where we filmed the podcast and we met through some other friends, but we quickly realized we had a mutual friend in common. Do you remember this? I do. I do slightly remember this. I do remember it was it was with the church group over at eleven twenty two, and yeah, it's it's crazy to to think about how long ago that was that we but met. Through, but through but through getting to know you and talking that you played baseball and all this stuff, found out that you were, I believe, at the time you were with um, the Cedar Rapids Colonels and the Twins organization. And we realized that one of your teammates was a good friend of mine from high school. Oh, shoot. I don't remember that. I it do, was Hunter I, Lee. I, you remember Hunter Lee, though, right? Oh, Hunter. Yes, I do remember Hunter. Yes. Yeah. I do no, I, and you took a picture with me and sent it to him through Snapchat, like, immediately after we found that out. Yeah, I do, I, I do remember that now. It's crazy to think how long ago that was. Even it was, like yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, exactly. Playing in Cedar Rapids and and Hunter, I I mean we we didn't get to golf as much as I probably like to have golf with Hunter. He kicked my butt the only time we went, but he's a he's uh, a pretty good golfer. Yeah, <laughs> great golfer, great dude. But yeah, it's, it's a weird it's, thing about baseball players too. A lot of baseball players are really good golfers. I would say a lot of baseball players like to golf, but we're not as good as we think we are. It's that's, it's this that's probably true too. <laughs> it's this weird thing where like, you know, you're competitive in a sport and you think you should be good at it, but you're just not and it's it's very frustrating, but yeah, Hunter is the is is the exception of amazing golfer. We can't all be Mookie Betts or Michael Harris the second where you're literally a pro at everything you touch. We can't all have that level of success. That's that's really true. Those guys are are fun to watch and whatever they do, it's it's mind boggling how you can be good at all of those sports. Exactly. So so let's let's get a little backstory on you. I got a couple questions for you. We'll let our our viewers and our listeners get to know you a little bit more. So so tell us about your your baseball journey and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so I grew up uh, playing baseball my whole life in Wisconsin. Uh, obviously not the biggest baseball state. It's a, it, you know, it's, it's growing there, but you know, it's not like Florida. It's not like Texas. It's, it's really hard to continue to play baseball all year round. So grew up, you know, really grinding, doing whatever I could to get better. And I was always good, but not fantastic, you know, good for Wisconsin, but not great for, you know, the country. And, um, I kind of hit this spurt where all of a sudden I started to throw harder. It was instead of, you know, throwing 80 at 15, it was 86 and then it was 88 and then it was 90. And then, you know, it's kind of that realization of like, Oh, I could, you know, do something with this. And, um, you know, the coach that had 
coached me and, and helped me get to where I was at was really good friends with the coaches over at Wisconsin Milwaukee where I decided to go to college. Um, and in college I had success really early and baseball humbled me the next year. And you know, <laughs> it does that. Just 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 like life does, uh, baseball's shown me a lot of life lessons and um, through that brought me closer to my faith in Christ and all those things. I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but Absolutely. Um, you know, struggled a little bit and I uh, you know, unfortunately didn't get signed my junior year, my first eligible year and, you know, really had to put up or shut up and, and did really well my senior year and got a chance. And um, as I've grown through the twins ranks, I've really had to earn everything I've had. So it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's, it's very gratifying experience to be in AAA and be on the doorstep of the big leagues. And obviously, you know, getting to the big leagues is the goal, but it's a, uh, I've, I've had to grind through the minor league process and, you know, nothing's really been ever given. And, and I think that's really a shout out and a testament like to the twins organization and the systems who have believed in me so far and helped me get to where I'm at. Like they have with, you know, a lot of the guys I've gotten drafted with and, and teammates, they're, you know, really good at developing those guys, you know, such as myself. No, exactly. And, and, and we'll, we'll touch more on all that in a minute, but you know, you mentioned something interesting too. I think our, our audience will, will know that I've talked about this before. You mentioned that a, that baseball will humble you. And, you know, there's a very famous saying by Ted Williams, the greatest hitter that ever lived. And he said, you know, baseball is the only profession where you can fail seven out of 10 times and be considered great. Exactly. And that's, that's honestly like the the older that I've gotten and the more that I've played baseball, the more people I've been around. It's crazy how similar life and sports or being successful in whatever you're going to do is, is uh, like I said, connected. It's, you know, it's it, one, one year you're good. Then, you know, you can be a Cy Young winner one year. Next year you have a 60 RA. You could hit 350. Exactly. Next year you hit 220. Like it's, Exactly. That's why it's hard to have a lot of egos in the sport of yes. baseball is because like, yes you've still failed, you know, you could have an MVP type season and you've still failed 70% of the time. Right. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. and we've all seen it where, you know, one year a guy hits, you know, 30 line drives right at guys. And, you know, another year they hit 30 loopers down the line and all of a sudden they have 30 more doubles, you know, it's, exactly. it's one of those exactly. things where it's, it's crazy. And then another thing you touched on, which for in, in recent episodes, the audience will know that I've talked about this is that you had to earn it at every single level of the twins organization, which I I've talked about on the podcast is like, it, it, it doesn't matter when you get to college in your case, baseball, when you get to college baseball, it doesn't matter how good you were in high school. When you get to the, to the lowest level of minor league baseball, it doesn't matter how good you were in college. If you make it to the pros, Oh, and hopefully you do. We're all rooting for you here at Empire Sports Talk. If you if you make it to Minnesota, or I should say I should say uh, Minneapolis, because you because you're technically in Minnesota in triple in, right, in triple right A, across the river, funny. yes. But um, but if you make it up there, you're starting at zero. They don't care. They don't care how good you were at Triple A. You have to earn it at every level. And I've talked about that recently with Caleb Williams and the demands he's making of the NFL. But <laughs> but, but but you touched on that point very interestingly that it does not matter where you are in your baseball journey you've got to earn it yeah absolutely and that's it's uh I and I've seen it personally you know with my friends and you know people that I've played with going up there it's it's a whole nother level and uh speaking of myself a little bit too like I 
I feel like every level I go to, I struggle a little and have to figure it out. And I, I think that's kind of like those growing pains that you see with a lot of rookies where, you know, maybe, you know, speaking like NFL and, and, you know, maybe pitching or baseball or anything really, there's, if you're a rookie sensation, like it's really special because it is hard exactly. to make that transition. Every level is different as much as it's, people say, oh, it's similar, it's this and that. Like every level you're playing against better competition, more exactly. consistent players, you know? So yeah, it's, it's an amazing experience though. Let me tell you when you, when you get to the next level and, you know, I can't wait till I'm, I'm in Minnesota on the right side of the river where I want to be not saying St. Paul's bad. It's St. Paul's amazing, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and feel free to talk on yourself. That's why we have you on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, does it occur to you ever, you were, you grew up in Wisconsin. Were you a big Brewers fan just from regionality or did you have another fandom growing up? So I, I usually get a lot of, a lot of crap for this, but I was a Cubs fan growing up. Uh, my dad would watch him on WGN, you know, Harry Carey, some of the best, and Sammy Sosa, some of those guys, you know, watching them, um, you know, I would get a lot of grief for being a Cubs fan, but I always would say, and people might not like this, but I, w- I would always root for the Brewers if they weren't playing the Cubs. So, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you would get a lot of crap for that either a if you were playing for milwaukee because they're in the same division or if you were exactly. in the milwaukee system because they're in the same division or if the cubs weren't one of america's two teams growing up because the cubs and the braves were on tv every day so even current every day are like oh yeah i grew up a braves fan because they were on tv every day yeah I so feel i don't like think you'll get as rolls. much crap for that as, as but does it occur to you though that you're playing right now and you are it on the doorstep of a major league team that's not that far from where you grew up does that ever into your mind it really does and um you know i've had the pleasure of playing with guys like matt walner and louis varland who um grew up in in you know that minneapolis area and to see them be like the hometown kids and have success like it's really cool and i feel like i'm close to that i i also get a lot of grief for being a badgers fan and playing in gopher country um so you know we keep it light we keep it fun but it, it is yeah cool. i mean just just look at the reception that adley rutchman got at the home run derby for being an oregon kid but he was yep. in he, he he was at um t-mobile park for the home run derby and they loved him you know exactly and it, it it's it's a cool thing uh you know a lot of my family and friends get to come over and watch being so close and um you know luckily my wife gets to travel full-time with me so that's um, pretty awesome you know she, she gets to see family we get to see family they get to come to the, the field and it, it feels good to be back in the midwest you know i'm sure um there's there's some home field advantage there when it's cold early in the year and you know it's for sure i'm, I'm for used sure. to those things and you know the there's been the people and everything yeah there have been many early season series that have gotten snowed out in uh, milwaukee and chicago and those places so yeah you know. absolutely it's it's uh, not for the faint of heart up there when you go up there in, in April. But you mentioned playing college ball at, at Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What is your favorite college memory of playing college baseball? Like, is there a story that sticks out in your mind of like, oh, this happened and it was nuts? There's, it's nothing too crazy. There's, there's some things like, I think it's just like the, the day to day. We, 
we didn't really have like great facilities or anything. So um, not, luckily now they do. It's one of those things that they were working really hard to get while I was there. And the year after I left, they got them, but always happens that way. Always. It does. Yeah. I, I, I feel like uh, I left it a better place, but no, I don't want to take any, any credit for any <laughs> of that stuff, but um, nothing too crazy. I think the every year we had a golf outing and we, you know, being from Wisconsin, people really like to drink and, and we had one, <laughs> we had, we had a teammate of mine, I'll, I'll leave his name out, but he wanted to try to drink a beer for every hole and uh, he succeeded, Oof. but, Oof. but barely. And he succeeded guess, for a very short period of time. <laughs> yes. He, he, I don't think he even realized he did succeed until maybe the next day or so, but um, he, ended, he was after okay the rest of the team told him. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So nothing too crazy like that, obviously, you know, just like the fun camaraderie about, um, I think one year we weren't supposed to play uh, intramural basketball, but we ended up playing and, you know, kind of, kind of torched the competition. We had a, a guy named Elijah Goodman, who was like a, the Wisconsin rebound leader of all time or something like that. And, you know, he, he put in some work down, down on the boards for us, but other than that, just, you know, just normal college fun experiences. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned you're, you're drafted out of a relatively small school you're you were drafted in the 19th round so you had to wait around a little bit can you describe your your like your draft day experience the day that you got the call a lot of nerves um a lot of maybe like insecurities about the whole process i was you know the first the first of my family and friends or anybody that i really had known other than uh you know like dalton varsho who i played with but you know he was much higher round much a uh, much bigger prospect and everything coming out of Wisconsin and Milwaukee than I was. So our process was obviously different, but it was a lot of nerves and a lot of waiting around. And um, just, I felt like I was going to get taken. I had, I had heard some things, but I had heard I was going to get taken earlier. And this is a, a, a thing that a lot of guys will tell you is, you know, that they hear around seven to 10 and then it doesn't happen. And then you're kind of, yeah. Oh, okay. Is it going to happen? Did I get passed up? You know, all those kind of things. And, uh, it's funny because the um, the twin scout called me and said they were going to draft me. And then about 20 seconds later, the Rocky scout was like, hey, we're going to take you. And I was very confused Whoops. because I was like, I thought I just got taken. And, you know, and it ended up being he he didn't realize that they had just taken me off the board. But um, it happens. It happens fast. It's a it's a call. And, you know, there you are. No disrespect to the Rockies organization. I love, I've been to Denver. It's amazing. But as a pitcher, I'm sure you're, you're, you're a little bit, uh, <laughs> you're a little bit glad that you won't have to pitch regularly in the high altitude of course field. Yeah, that's, that's a thing, you know, people say that is true. And I, I've had the pleasure of pitching over in Arizona a few times in spring training. Uh, we had the cool experience in college of pitching against the Brewers uh, in like an exhibition game and stuff. And I'll tell you, the ball does fly a lot further than you think. So, um, yeah, I, I will, you know, they I'll always say homers. They always say that uh, Colorado has to draft their pitchers because nobody wants to <laughs> sign there in free agency, you know? Yeah, luckily for me, I am a sinker baller, so I think you know, I think I could find some success there. See, if, that's you know, what that Colorado needs not. to do. They, they, they need to, they, they need to like go 
draft sinker ballers or high or higher like Brandon Webb as their pitching coach who had like the <laughs> nastiest sinker of all time and just teach all their pitchers to throw like 80 pound sinkers just and a sinker fine. factory over there yeah I, for sure I mean that I, that is the answer I, I don't I know if the Rockies are the listening <laughs> maybe you should send them an email just say I got I, have I the should answer for you guys <laughs> I, I, I would love it if they listen to this podcast they probably don't but if you're listening Colorado Sinker ball factory. Anyway. Sinker ball factory. Uh, <laughs> so where where were you when the call came in? Were you just sitting at home waiting and like clicking your fingers or like some guys are on the golf course when they get the call or? Yeah. Where were you? Uh, as crazy as life is, I was just moving into the first apartment that we had in Jacksonville. We had played the conference tournament up in Ohio and uh, my wife, Liz, and my my oldest golden retriever, Charlie, they were driving down together and I caught a flight the next day. And within two days I was getting a call to, you know, from the twins to get drafted. And then, you know, I left, I left them with a half empty apartment and was down in Fort Myers four days later. It's, it was uh, a wild experience, a lot of like, kind of like a whirlwind, you know, like going, going back and thinking about it. It's, it came and went so fast. I was here and there, got the call. And then, you know, it was, in Fort Myers and then in, you know, East Tennessee, Elizabeth and Tennessee, you know, two weeks later. So it's you're a in, quick, 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 quick yeah, all over the place. You, you go from moving boxes of towels and, and cutlery and plates and you get the color like, Hey, you're going to play professional baseball. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. Let me set this box down real quick. Yeah. Um, cool first job, right? The, right. You know, like most, no, exactly, most people out exactly. of college are, are, you know, getting desk jobs or, you know, doing those things. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to, to get that call. So one, one of my favorite um, questions to ask athletes that come on this podcast is, is this is, so you played college baseball and there's some traveling involved in that and all this sort of stuff. And then you go to the minor leagues where you travel to a lot of maybe smaller markets, maybe (laughs) a little bit smaller cities. You go to a lot of different places you can see some stuff. What's your best travel story from playing baseball? There was one this year. We were in Louisville, which isn't like a small market. Um, I had, I wasn't feeling fantastic. There was kind of like a cold going around the team and uh, I had pitched the day before. So um, I think we had lost. So, you know, there was no like after game speech or anything. So I kind of showered and got dressed quick to get on the bus to go back to the hotel. And I heard some commotion going on this. And and this was this year. uh, I was the only, only guy on the bus and a lady was, I think there was a festival down the road. So I think she was a bit inebriated, but she barely had any clothes on. And she was, she decided she was going to run on the bus and like run up the aisle, down the aisle. The bus driver kicked her off, and then and just you were there, and you're like, oh. and I was like, what is going on right now? And exactly. um, no, it, it gets a little wilder. She didn't like that one of the memorabilia, like autograph guys outside, were was taking a video of her, and she decked him. Just oh man, gave gave oh. him the old hay, gave him the old haymaker you know, right in front of everybody and then just kind of sprinted off. It was one of those moments where you're like, what, what did I just witness right there? What, you know, what are we and and because on? you weren't feeling well and you probably had a little bit of a cold, you probably thought, did that actually happen? Or so, you yes. know, it was one of those things yes. like, did I just hallucinate? You know, kind right. of thing. 
But I always love asking that question because you never know what the person's going to say. I had a, a friend come on here that 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 works in the Yankee scouting department now, and he he was like, "Oh yeah, I, I was the travel secretary for this minor league team at the time, and we needed a, a deciding game at the end of the year because we were tied, and we had to." And he said, "So we had gotten this bus, and then there was like weather problems, so like." <laughs> me and the other travel secretary were like we're playing for a pink slip the winner gets on this bus and goes to the playoffs because the playoffs were started the next day and they were in Syracuse and the playoffs were in like Illinois or something and so it was like the winner gets this bus and so they were playing for a, a pink slip and so you and then they get on the bus and like there's a storm and so there's a tree in the road and they had to win and they had to wait so you never know what the story is going to be that's why know. I always like to ask that question because it can literally be anything you would be surprised by how much like the, the travel stuff happens where like, you know, you're, uh, this happened a few times, like for example, this year in Rochester, we, um, we had like a three 30 AM bus, something like this to go to the airport, um, to fly out and the bus didn't show up. So they sent us like a, like a party bus that was like a 40 person occupancy. So we had like all, all of us trying to fit like our bags and, and everybody was trying to get on at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You, you never know what's going to happen when you show up to some of these things. You're like, well, hopefully the bus is here. I don't know, I guess. Yeah, we'll I, th find out. I think that's what it was. They had to play the deciding game in, in, in Syracuse, and the playoffs started in Rochester the next day. And it was, so they had to, like, get to – yeah. So <laughs> you just you just never know. And, and so – Never know. So minor league baseball especially, I think, the environments are super unique. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like minor league baseball, the environments are super unique to the market that they're sitting in. Absolutely. You get a real, get a real taste for the city or the town you're playing in when you're, when you're in, a, in the minor leagues and doing all that traveling and all this sort of stuff. And so what is, what's the best minor league environment that you've played in? I think honestly, where I play in St. Paul is, is probably the best. Uh, I, have, I have a little hat on right here. That's, that's a good uh, answer. From, from a, from a golf outing but yeah they they pack out every night the fans are into it they um you know there's never really a dull moment they they do a lot of in-game stuff that's you know fun to watch for players so obviously being a reliever in the bullpen sometimes there's uh the games can games can drag on a little bit but um you know they they do a lot of a lot of good stuff there and like I said, they, the fans show out, they're always loud. It's always, you know, it's not always like that when you go places, um, you know, especially when we play on like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday afternoon or something. Um, Des Moines, Iowa is another cool place. You know, when the fans come, it's really loud. It's a cool, you know, obviously it's like the Iowa Cubs and. Oh, know, it's like, Iowa. Like, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. No, one it's of the Iowa. greatest movies ever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So th there's, there's a few good places for sure. Um, but. I, I think St. Paul's got the cake. I haven't been everywhere, but out of all the places I've been, like consistently, they show out all the time. I had a buddy that played um, summer league college ball in Madison. Okay, and he I've heard unbelievable things. The uh, Madison Mallards, and he was talking yep. about how much he loved it there, and he brought me back a, a Mallard bobblehead, which I still have <laughs> part of. It broke, so I still have the head. I don't know where the body is. I feel like but they I still have break. I still have the head, um, but he he played there and he was like, "Oh man, you 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 wouldn't believe," because no, it's and yeah, and you probably wouldn't because that that UP area, you know, you, like you said, playing 
high school college ball in wisconsin you don't know what the weather's going to do it's not always the best scene you know you know the story of brandon nemo playing in montana and not being able to play high school baseball because they don't have it so you have to join american legion so you you just never know you know and so you uh you mentioned that like being in the bullpen stuff can stuff can drag on and that kind of stuff and 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 the popular point of discussion the last couple of years i know i have my opinions on it but i i had friend of the pod donnie deweese on a few months ago and he was talking we were talking about some of the rules and he had some things to say so what are your thoughts on the on the current state of baseball and 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 the rule changes that have taken effect over the last so couple of years whether I it's think... the pitch clock or or the runner on second to start extra innings that kind of thing well what are your thoughts I think it it benefits everybody. I think obviously the the goal is to have more action in a faster paced game, um, and I think the rules obviously did that. And um, you know, with with guys starting on second base, you know, we play 162 games, or you know, in, in AAA we play like 140. Um, you know, those 17, 18 inning games, like as fun as they probably are for fans it's tough sometimes to, you know, come back around and play the next day or you fry your bullpen trying to win a game and all of a sudden it's, you know, now you lose a couple straight because of it. And, um, but that's neither here nor there. It's, I, I really think the rule changes are, are great for baseball. I think, um, you know, maybe one thing I didn't enjoy so much was the interplay. We had the robo umpire for the first three games and then the, the next three games was like the challenge system, which I liked much better where, um, you know, the umpire with the robo zone, like umpire just gets it and says strike or ball with the challenge system. It was more, you know, you have the umpire and, you know, they could challenge a few times. I think you get three challenges. If you, if you win it, you keep it. If you lose it, you lose it. Right. So and that was more fun. I think, you know, for players and fans of like looking up at the scoreboard, seeing if it was a strike or a ball, and in that sense, I think it, the RoboZone kind of takes the, you know, baseball human out of baseball. Like, yeah, the human element of like, you know, you watch Greg Maddox and those guys pitch and, you know, sometimes they're getting a few inches off the corner and that's what made him so good was he would just abuse it. And you, you've probably seen a lot of guys do that over the course of the years of just being good pitchers, you know, and does that maybe make the game more fun? for guys who like pitching absolutely but for people who like home runs and you know action not so much i think i used to have a much more firm stance on the idea of the robo umpire well as i mentioned donnie deweese a few minutes ago he was actually in favor of it because he's gotten called out on called out on strikes on his fair share of non-strikes exactly i think one of my favorite things about having an umpire is and there's a lot to not like but a, but about having an umpire is that each strike zone is different. And for the most part, the umpires will stick to a strike zone that has the same dimensions. You just don't know if it's going to be a little down and a little left or a little up. And, and figuring that out with each umpire is very, very interesting and unique to the game. Absolutely. But at the, but at the same time, I I used to say, robot umpires absolutely not it takes the human element out of baseball you know it it takes the character out that kind of thing but over the last season or two we've seen some really egregious missed calls and 
there's no accountability for the umpires and, and the people that if they're like, oh, I missed it. Oh, well, like. Right. And I think I think there's some there, there probably could be some more, you know, that they could do about that. Um, but I do think that sometimes maybe the strike zone on TV isn't fully accurate of like what you're seeing. So like they might have it up there. I think and we talk about this all the time or at least like we did uh, with the Saints team this year, like that's the worst thing they've ever done for baseball is put the strike zone on the TV screen because that's all people are watching. It's like, oh, was that a strike? Was that not a strike? Like if it clips the zone or maybe it's like an inch or two outside, you know, that's all people are complaining about. And, you know, oh, for there's, sure. it, it, I think people realize the ones that are – balls called strikes as opposed to strikes called balls I think you you think about those ones way more obviously I'm a pitcher so I'm a little bit biased to those things but right um you know I I think the human elements of that like you said most of the guys are pretty good but there are some bad apples in there who are you know maybe not maybe shouldn't be back there all the time and maybe they can have a system where they fix that I'm not exactly sure how yeah. all of that would work but I just don't love the idea of the, and this is true of all sports, I think, but, but baseball, it happens the most often is I often say that your job as an umpire in baseball or, or a ref is to be forgotten. And if, yes. and if your presence is made known, it's usually for a bad reason. Exactly. And, you know, you're not allowed to argue balls and strikes anymore. And if you do, it's all, it's almost an automatic ejection. But like, what if the umpire just really missed and like the, the manager wrong, or the you know? player has a gripe and the, the, the umpire can just be like, get out of my face, even if he was 1000% wrong. Right. And I, and, and I, and I don't like that at all. And I no. think there's something that can be done about that, but. Absolutely. Like we, we hear yeah. that stuff a lot too, where, where guys are, you know, say like, uh, you know, guy gets called out on strikes and he's arguing with it. And the umpire is like, no, like go check. Cause obviously they have all the data. You can go see every pitch right away where it is. You can go into the video room and see like, you know, where the pitch was, where the, where the zone had it and all those things. And, you know, a lot of times they are wrong even after they say that where they're like, no, I'm, I'm no, I'm right. And, and, you know, blah, blah, this and that go check the zone and they go check the zone and sure enough, they're wrong. Yeah, obviously there are some cases where they are right, but most of the time they, you know, the hitters and catchers have a really good understanding of like where the zone is too. Yeah. Now, and I have to ask, this wasn't one of my, or I will say before I, I say this is that I think the rule that I still have a problem with is I had a real problem with the pitch clock at first. And then like at spring training, it was rough and that kind of stuff. But then I've you hard you you've been you've hardly been able to notice it this year, mm -mm. and it's it's been it's been really really good and and I don't really notice like oh the game's over faster because I just love to no. enjoy baseball as a fan but as you mentioned it can make a difference to a player in a, in a different way and and so my my whole thing is like I I don't love the idea in extra innings and you as a pitcher can probably you probably face the situation or know somebody that has is that you can start extra innings, not give up a hit and lose the game. Cause you could, yeah, that... you know, you can give up a couple of sack flies, have two outs and then there's a, a pass ball or a while or something. And you didn't do anything wrong and you still lost the game. 
Yeah, that, and I think that's the tough part about it is like obviously there's pros and cons to it. Excuse me, but um, I mean that is a tough way to lose a game, right? And but you know the the way that I think about it in baseball is that the good teams make it happen. Like the good teams hit with runners in scoring position. Like you see all the teams in the playoffs right now. Like they're good at that. They they understand getting a runner over. They understand doing their job and and doing those things. So you know, to me, if you're a pitcher and you get out of that situation, like you did a heck of a job. If yeah. you're the offense and you score, like you should score. There's a runner on second base with nobody out. Like, so it's, it's kind of one of those back and forth things where like, I think it makes it more interesting because every pitch matters then in extra, extra innings. Like if you mess up, like, okay, the pressure's on you now you let the run score or, you know, you see it a lot of times where guys score two or three runs and the game's over um in extra innings because that momentum kind of breaks we're like oh we let them score and then the next guy scores and then it's it's kind of over after that but um <clears throat> yeah that's that's really good perspective i think the way i see it is that it it puts into effect i mean pitch clock is one thing but the thing about that rule is that it puts into effect a situation where an outcome of a game can be outside of the outside the control of the players yeah and i think that's what in in a way i don't i i from like talking to you and talking to fans and stuff i think that's what they don't want to see is like you know the either the umpires or a rule change take away from the game itself right like you you want to see who is supposed to win is supposed to win who's supposed to lose supposed to lose like we're seeing a, a lot in football right now too we're like Right. There's some bad, bad penalties that have been costing college and pro teams games and that nobody likes that. It's not. I'll fun say for this. I am. I, I usually try to stay unbiased on this podcast, but I'll tell you because you brought it up. I am a big <laughs> Colts fan. OK. And they lost this week to the Browns on back to back penalties, both of which were pretty bad calls. And yeah. it basically handed the game to the Cleveland Browns. And that's, it's not fun to watch as a fan. And no, it's even, not. <laughs> even, even, you know, being like a, if you were a Browns fan, it might not feel as good winning that way as opposed to being like, yeah, we fairly squarely won that game as opposed to having the refs like take control of it. As a Colts fan, it, it was a gut check. I mean, you have games that you expect, you kind of expect to lose because it's a rebuilding year, but I, I actually predicted the Colts to be a wild card team because people, because they're better than people think. Yeah, and absolutely. Obviously, Richardson getting hurt throws a wrench in that, but Minshew's been really, really good. And he played really well on Sunday. There was no Deshaun Watson. There was no, you know, all this sort of stuff. And the and that the defense could have played better, but those calls really kind of handed Cleveland the win. Yep. And uh, you know, like bouncing off of that, I you know, watching the the twins games at home and some of the calls, you know, where we kind of have momentum and then all of a sudden they get a pitch two or three inches out of the zone. That's called a strike for a strikeout or, yeah. you know, something like that, that kills momentum. It's like, you kind of take the bat out of someone's hand or you, you take the, you know, the game away from your defense or something. It's like back to that where, you know, the ref or umpire, like you don't, I don't want to ignore, like, it's nice that you're there. You're doing a great job, but like you doing a great job makes you kind of. Dis- yeah. Your job is to not be there. noticed. Yeah, right. That's 100% the case. You know, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, there are things that fans don't want to see with the rule changes in them. And not just baseball, but in football and in basketball and all sports, there are a lot of rule changes recently 
that are geared towards bringing in new fans. Right. But some of the rule changes are controversial. And the way I look at that is if you change rules in an effort to bring in new fans, the fans you're going to bring in aren't going to be anything more than the casual fan. And if you go too right. far with those rule changes to bring in the casual fan, you're going to lose the diehards that you always had. Yeah. So I, I, feel kinda... like the, I feel like the risk is a lot higher than, than, than the reward with this. We got to bring in new fans kind of thing. Absolutely. And I, I kind of always relate that saying to a happy Gilmore, you know, when he's, he's, you know, on the tour in that movie where he gets there and Shooter McGavin and all these guys hate that, you know, his wild fans are there and it's different than what golf usually is. And I think it's funny to relate that to that because I, I think it's, it's like that where you, you know, you try to bring in new fans with whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes you make, you maybe neglect the people who are, have been very loyal through that process and because the truth is the cat the casual fan isn't i mean i don't want to say isn't really a fan a fan is a fan but a casual fan is much more likely to get bored just with it in general because all right i watched it i'm done so i I feel like the risk is much higher than the reward of we want to try this to bring in new fans but but uh anyway uh i got a couple more questions for you and i'll let you let you get out of here um (laughs) what what was it like pitching in big league camp this year it's it was an amazing experience it you know being able to obviously we were a playoff team and you know a lot of veterans like you know pablo and Sonny and you know all those guys even brock stewart and um even you know correa i got throwing against correa and and you know all, all of the all the guys that were there that have been there done that understand it i learned you know maybe not right away but i I had a journal this year where I wrote down a lot of stuff and I kind of hit a snag this year in the middle of the year where I struggled and, and I got to look back at those things and, and get back to being very simple with it. And, you know, Correa was telling me stuff about my delivery that made me better. And once I went back to those kind of things, I was better. And it's, it's cool to be around people who, you know, obviously it was my first big league camp. I haven't been to the big leagues, but treated me like I was, I mattered. I was important. And if I could contribute, then obviously they wanted me there. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm expecting to get that opportunity again this year to do that and, you know, go to the big leagues and and help the team out. And um, it was a really cool experience to be able to ask those guys questions and be like, Hey, Sonny, like, you know, what do you do with your cutter? Like, where do you try to throw? What are you, what are you thinking about? And, and then sit down and, you know, Sonny talked, talked to me for about 30 minutes one day about, you know, throwing cutters and setting hitters up and doing those kind of things. And it's, it's really cool for a guy who, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to sit there and explain it to me, yeah. but he took the time out of his day to do that and, and make me a better player. And that's, that's really, really cool. That's, that's so cool. I'm, I'm not even a player. I consider myself more than a fan. Like I've always been a student of the game. So I can nerd out about it. like if I, <laughs> if, if, if anyone sat, not even a major league, stud like Sonny Gray but if anyone sat sat down with me and talked cutters for 30 minutes <laughs> I would I would be in heaven like that yeah it's... I'm I'm such a nerd about that stuff that's awesome I, I I'm a big fan of Pablo I've always been a huge fan of Sonny it was it was so great to see him flourish this year in Minnesota after you know he he was he was this great pitcher in Oakland and then he went to New York and as often happens when you go to the Yankees 
no disrespect to the organization, but because of their strict rules about uniform and how you're supposed to look and how you're supposed to do, like you can, players can lose their identities there for a, for a while. So it was really, really great to see him kind of have some success in Cincinnati and then come to Minnesota and find his way there. That is, that is super awesome. But on that note, obviously the twins had a great year. It didn't end the way I'm sure many in the organization wanted as they wanted to, to keep playing um, and be, be, there right now but what are your expectations for both the the team and for the organization the major league team and the organization in 24 that hopefully you'll get to be a part of no doubt i believe you know that i have a lot of uh, love for the twins you know obviously been with the organization for my entire career um and the people that are in the organization not only the players but like the front office and the staff i have no doubt that with the core group that they have up there and the guys that are in AAA. And I'm sure, you know, they'll go and and sign some guys as well, but um, you know, that when they struggled a little bit in the middle of the year, people were kind of, maybe we should go get people. Maybe we shouldn't. And I thought it was so cool that the front office was like, no, like these are our guys. Like, I trust that we brought in the right people. Like, we've drafted the right people. Like, we have all the right people. And sure enough, look at, you know, two months later, they're one of the hottest and best teams in baseball. They're wow. going to the playoffs, and they make a 100%. Statement. 100%. So, I I truly think there's going to be a lot of buzz. There's going to be a lot of energy. There's a lot of fun guys. Like I said, the the core group of, like, veterans and stuff that are there, um, you know, they they want to win. And I think that's a that's a big deal to have guys in the clubhouse who want to win at all costs and will take the young guys under their wing and do that. And I think the young guys will only get better. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to be up there and, you know, have an impact and do those kind of things. Like I believe I can, and like I have in the, the lower levels and upper levels of the minor leagues. And I'm, I got a big smile on my face. I'm excited for next year. I've been grinding already at home and crushing it in the gym and doing all the things that I, I need and know I want to do. So you know, like you said, you know, there was a period in the middle of the year where the central was literally anybody's game. Yep. You know, you had you had uh, Cleveland there for a while. You guys, you know, Detroit was making some noise. I've kind of had my eye on them for the last three, four years that like something's brewing down there. <laughs> like there's something really cool happening there. And, you know, and then Minnesota was able to turn it on at the end and they finally found their offense because for much, much of the year it was like, dominant pitching and kind of some so-so offense so they finally found kind of their groove and they took control and they made it to playoffs and hopefully you know here in the next couple of years with you on that roster you know (laughs) bolstering that bullpen or whatever the case may be y'all can make it to the fall classic but speaking of the fall classic before i let you get out of here you know as we're recording this the the rangers have already punched their ticket and we have game seven between the phillies and the diamondbacks tonight first of all who do you have tonight in game seven I I've always been a fan of of the underdog. I I don't think people really expected Arizona to be as good as they are, but as like a player and you know as a baseball fan, you know baseball is not one on paper. It's not, you know, football if it's Alabama against, you know, Chattanooga State or something like that, like you know Alabama's going to win that game. It's it's not always cut and dry. So most I, of the I time, like, I think I think the 2007 Michigan team would have have some words about that. 
Um, yeah, but uh, I agree. But I I have Arizona tonight, um, and I think that would be a really fun. You want to talk about bringing some energy and stuff to baseball? I think you have two teams that haven't been there in a while that are playing really really well, and they have some you know some studs that maybe weren't as well known at the beginning of the year, some prospects coming up and, you know, maybe start some of those legacies and start some of those dynasties this year with, you know, winning maybe when you're not supposed to or when you're young or whatever it may be. I think that would be a really fun world series would be Rangers, you know, against Arizona, but even if the Phillies win, I think the Phillies are fun to watch too. And, and let's say you're right. Let's say Arizona gets it done. Who, who do you have winning it all? If it's Arizona, Texas, who do you got? I think Texas, just because I I think that they've been playing really hot. And I I think that, you know, like I think if you have a guy like Scherzer and and you know, like obviously if they had DeGrom, it'd be it'd be Montgomery, who who yeah, I've always been but, really high on. Like right, you, for, you, through all his stops, he's been so good. You have some of those guys that can go take over a game. Not saying that Arizona doesn't have those guys, but like you get Scherzer game one and he goes six or seven scoreless. It's, you know, that game one is really important. Not saying if you lose game one, you're going to lose. But if you win game one, like you're feeling good about yourself. And, you know, I, I think the Rangers pull it out, but I, I think it'll be a series. I think it's going to be like four I think, two. I think it's just one of those things that like, you know, you do, you talk about how hot they are and, just in the last three years, we've seen how how important getting hot is. You know, in 2021, yeah. the 80s, the 88 win Braves won the title. And in in you know, the next year, the 87 win Phillies get to the World Series. And now you have the Rangers, who had a lot more than 87 wins, but you know, they didn't always play their best during the season. So they got hot when it mattered. And you know, you have Adelise Garcia hitting five home runs in four games, and you have, you know, this, right. and they've, they're undefeated in the playoffs on the road, which is a, an absurd stat. Stupid you know, stat, yeah. That, the last series against the Astros was just the second time in MLB history that the road team won every game. I mean, that's, if you're making history along the way, like, especially in that way, winning on the road, which is hard to do even in the regular season, if you're doing that in the playoffs, like, you're making a statement doing that, and that's why I'd I think they're going to win, but baseball is baseball. You know, one ball could hit a pebble and it bounces one way and, and you lose the game or, you know, it's it's never cut and dry. It's never easy. No, for sure, for sure. And that's why you play the game. You know, you, you, that's, you why see you what play it, it. That's, that's why you play so many games in baseball is because it's not, you know, like you said, in football, uh, you know, the 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 team the team that's supposed to win is probably going to win. You know, in right. basketball, probably the same thing. But in baseball, that's why you play series. That's why you play so many games. And a lot of non-baseball fans don't get that. Right. Like, you yes. know, a bad team could play a good team. And then I, th- I think there was a stretch where who was it? I think it was like maybe it was Houston or somebody or one of the best teams in the regular season at one point lost like five out of six against the Royals and the and the A's consecutively the two worst teams in baseball and they lost five right. of those six games and they were a good team so you just right. you don't know and that's why you play so many games but but those are all the questions I have for you thanks so much again to Austin Schulfer for joining us on Empire Sports Talk we uh, we really appreciate that and and when you finally get that call up in Minnesota 
we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna get that jersey and put it up here in the in in the podcast room for you. I can't wait. You can uh, I'll put I'll put one of those on my tab and get one sent over to you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, well, thanks for joining us, and we really appreciate all the insight that you've brought to being a player. And because I because I sit up here and I talk about sports from a fan perspective, but it's really nice to get somebody that's on the ground making the pitches, playing the games, doing the stuff. So thanks for joining us, Austin. Appreciate your having me. And and for those that enjoy the podcast, give a like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and, and go follow our YouTube channel for more great interviews like this one. I'm Roman Gennaro for Empire Sports Talk. I'll see you next time.